Why didn't somebody do something? You know, this could apply to multiple areas of our lives as we look at the world in which we live in. Whether you're talking about maybe two or three police officers standing in concrete as they watch another officer snuff out a person's life. Why didn't, why didn't they do something? Why didn't somebody do something? I mean, and there was a huge, I guess, audience there. Why didn't somebody in the audience do something? Um, let me get my other glasses. These things are like bifocals, and they are killing me. How do you ever get used to those things? <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I said, the audience, and then you have, you know, the people, you ever ask, how come the people recording it don't ever do anything? Well, let me tell you why they don't do anything. They got like, they're missing a couple brain cells, and the only brain cells they have is enough to hit that record button. But beyond that, you know, I, I think they would record a woman being raped, anything, you name it. Just, just whatever you want to talk about, they would record it. Why didn't somebody do something? Looters rioting, burning down our cities. Why didn't somebody do something? I mean, I'm all for peaceful protests. That's a good thing. But this is not peaceful protest. This is hoodlums, you know, looting, stealing, burning down our cities. And did you actually hear about California? I think in New York we're talking about dismantling the police force and maybe coming up with something. Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay, Buffalo, yeah. Uh, dismantling the police force. I mean, liberalism is, is, is just downright stupid when it when comes to it, the way some of these people think. Uh, why do you, you know, the liberal media being accountable, how come someone don't do anything like that? Try, you know, I would like to hear your ideas on that one. How do you hold the, the, the lies that we are being fed day in and day out from the liberal media? How do you hold liars accountable? I, would, I need some advice on that, and we could talk about that after services. But, you know, I thought, do I write a letter? Probably wouldn't do much good. How do, I hold, how do you hold liars accountable? What can we do about this? How come someone doesn't do anything? I think about a long time ago, you know, the people that, it was a cult, Jim Jones. They drank the Kool-Aid. They all died. Why didn't somebody, why didn't somebody stand up and just say, no, I, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm not going along with this. I'm, <laughs> why didn't somebody do something? <laughs> of course, last week being Pentecost, you know, outreach, again, doing something. Why doesn't somebody do something is a, is a good question that, you know, everybody, we all need to ask ourselves. The voice of reasoning in time of chaos and confusion, where is it? Where, where is the voice of the church? You know, I would expect right now to be hearing a lot from the churches about what's going on in our society. A voice of reasoning, you know. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. Of course, if your church told you the law has been abolished and nailed to the cross and fulfilled, maybe that has something to do with it, why you're not hearing much from the church. 
uh, Old Testament laws, justice, about justice and, and how to handle certain things. And of course, part of the problem is, you know, a lot of people who think they know the Bible, they, they worship only what I call a New Testament Jesus. That's all they have to go on. And they, they don't make the connection with who Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. That the Father and Son, let us create man in our image. They're standing there. And let us create man. Okay, Father and Son. But throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, the instrument the Father used to do all things, to create, to give the law, to write the law of his own finger, was none other than Jesus Christ. Okay, when you don't understand that, you don't understand a lot about the Bible. And so we come to, you know, Matthew 5 and verse 38. You have heard it. It's been said of old time, an eye for an eye, and tooth for tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And you have to understand the audience Jesus was talking to had come to a point where they were taking personal vengeance, which was totally against the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, you had Israel, you had the judges, you had a, a civil uh, uh, duty that, that you didn't take personal vengeance. But by the, the time Christ walked the earth, there were people who were doing just that, taking personal vengeance. And, of course, this is why um, Jesus spoke these words. And we're probably coming to that in some of these states like the old Wild West, where people take personal vengeance. The very thing Christ said, don't do this, is probably what we're coming to as, as a country, like the old Wild West. Now, let's take a look at a verse that we need to understand in Romans 13 and verse 1. Romans 13 and verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So you have a laws of officers. Now, it doesn't say there can be bad apples. You know, there can be bad police officers. There can be bad judges. We have to deal with that. But this is how Christ delegated out the vengeance of things, of people that do things that are wrong to the civil authority or whatever. It says, whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Will you then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise of the same. If you do the right thing, you don't have to worry about it. If you're just out there doing the right thing, obeying the, the rules or whatever. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So we're talking about the civil administration of law and order. In times of crisis, you know, I'll come back to this, why didn't somebody do something? In times of crisis, what you do reveals your character. In times of crisis, what we do reveals our character. Okay, crisis, coronavirus. What do people do? They hide out in fear, in absolute fear for their lives. Not good, not good. Um, of course, we did shut the church down for a while. That was not so much on my behalf as fear. 
but I did enjoy the time off. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I need y'all to discipline me in the area of taking a break. Because when you work a full-time job, when you work uh, in evangelism, and then you work giving sermons, I need someone to come up to me and say, David, it's time for you to take a sabbatical. Get out of here. We can handle this. And thankfully, you know, you've got, got plenty of people here that can help out, Greg, Cord, Sandy, you know. But I need that, but I, it's hard for me to ever take that time off. And I can get frustrated. But um, in times of crisis, what you do reveals your character. Why didn't somebody do something? Now, I want to switch gears here. It's not what you want to do that's important. It's what you're doing right now that's important. Because what we want to do, we always want to do something different, you know, or, or you know, we, we find most of us, uh, go through our lives thinking about the things we want to do. I wish things were different. I wish I won the lottery. I wish I could do this full time. I wish I could, uh, you know, on and on about what we want to do. And we totally underestimate the things we are doing right now. And we say, it's not important. What I'm doing right now is not important. That is the biggest lie that we manage to tell ourselves. I don't, I don't know why we do that. But we manage to tell ourselves, what I'm doing is really not that important. You don't have to turn there. Zechariah 4 and verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? <laughs> the day of small things. What you're doing right now is important. Again, it's not what you want to do that's important. It's what you're doing right now that's important. I mean, think about it. Why? And I've asked my wife this. Why do you, why do you make the bed every day? You know? <laughs> It's just, we're just going to get back in it and mess it up. <laughs> it's only like, a, what, an eight-hour thing that bed is made or whatever. Well, for me, but uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's a short time that the bed is made, you know. Uh, why do you cook a meal three times a day? You know, that's what's keeping you alive is the answer to that one. That's what's keeping you alive. And someone referred to churches as like that, that they couldn't remember a single thing that a message was given, and years went by, and I can't remember anything, but it's like being fed. You know, you're constantly being fed to stay alive. That's why it's important. <laughs> uh, why do you mow the grass? Some people don't. You know. <laughs> why do you go to work every day? I mean, the monotonous of life, and, and do the laundry every week or whatever. It's the collection of small things that make society work. And we're all in this together, you know. It's the collection of all the small things that we do that make our lives work, make society work, make, makes it all join together and work. Uh, notice someone had posted that with the looters that no one stole any uh, work boots. Uh, <laughs> get these things out of here. <laughs> but... Uh, and you know, you, you see this, this mentality, I am entitled. Uh, I deserve to be taken you know, care of. I mean, it, 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 it's socialism, which is from the cradle to the grave. You know, I expect someone to provide all of my needs. I mean, I, I sort of, when I see people doing th like things like that, I think, what, what, what is the mindset? Um, why do I do what I do? Why do you do? what you do. 
it, it gets to me from time to time. You know, it's, it's like, why do I upload these videos every single day? And I look back and I think, 20 views, YouTube. How many millions of people are there out there? You know, why, why do I keep doing that? What, what drives a person, you know? And I, I got to thinking about it. And I want to digress a little bit and explain it. Why we do or why I do what I do or why you do what you do. I was thinking about, I want to give you a little example, an analogy here maybe of, of for example, the media you're being lied to and, and versus talk radio. You know, I don't listen to the media. I do not watch ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN. I do listen to talk radio. And I thought, what if all you had was the media's, the liberal media narrative about society? Suppose that's all you had. You, you would have no choice but to, to buy into it. You would be a liberal if that's all you had. Think about the power of that, the power of a message, the power of getting something out there. And, you know, I, I, I thank God for people like Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, um, Glenn Beck, talk radio. I mean, because uh, I, I thought about why these men and women do what they do, because they live by a principle that says, why didn't somebody do something? That's why they do it. Why, why didn't somebody do something? Why didn't somebody address the corruption, the immorality in the news, in the liberal media? Why didn't somebody address it? Why didn't somebody talk about it? And then I carried it to one step further. What if all you had was mainstream churchianity? You know, I'm not necessarily knocking it. I mean, I'm just saying... If that's all you had, some of the Betty Buy stories about Jesus or whatever, you know, uh, uh, or some of the stuff I have a problem with. The law has been abolished, been nailed across, been fulfilled, grace plus nothing, just believe, just accept, just invite Jesus into your heart. What if that's all you had? You know, heavenly retirement, okay? There's a cabin in the sky, so be careful when you step out the door. All right, what if that's all you had? Well, you would probably be very much be a part of mainstream churchianity. What else could you be? What else could you be? And then I come to this verse that, that tells us in Romans 10 and verse 13, the importance of, yes, preachers, ministry, or whatever, the importance of the called, the elect of God. Romans 10 and verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, now, to take that one verse and just say, of all the verses in the Bible, we're going to take this one, and we're going to say this is how you get saved. It's easier than finding a mate. It's easier than holding down a job. It's easier than going to college. It's the easiest thing you will ever do in your entire life. Just call upon Jesus. Jesus, I'm saved. That's it. But it goes on. It doesn't stop there. You know, people have to read a little bit further here. Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? It's possible to hear about a different Jesus. 
in mainstream Christianity. Totally possible to hear about a different one and never hear about the real one. That's possible. Okay. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet are them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. What I'm saying is this. Occupational ministry is not going to get the job done. Okay. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Occupational ministry. You know, I've, I've met people. I thought they were lazy by nature. Said, I'd love to get in the ministry. I want to get in the ministry, you know, and, and you can get online and get into the ministry. You become a, a ordained minister. Because they viewed it as an easy job, easy way to make money. You know, you get to eat people's fried chicken and, and go visit people. Especially if you're a people person. You know, you can visit people and all that good stuff. And, uh, but I'm saying occupational ministry is just not going to get the job done. You have to be called of God, chosen. And what I think is interesting is men that God often used in the Bible, they did it reluctantly. You know, I mean, Jonah, I mean, the guy runs away from the commission. I mean, he, he runs away. Uh, Isaiah, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I mean, they're avoiding it like the plague. Don't send me. You know, Moses, send somebody else for pity's sakes. Don't send me. And I, I just, you know, I, I really have a problem with people that love or want to get into the ministry. It's like, do you realize what you're saying? Do you like death? Do you like, you know, <laughs> uh, you like persecution? You know, why, why would you want to get into it? And uh, this was Kelly one time said, you know, when a person talks about how much he feels qualified and needs to get, wants to get into the ministry, he said, that's a sure sign that that guy is not getting into the ministry. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, why do we do, why do I do, why do I do everything that, that bears, why do I do things that bears so very little fruit? Really? Bears, you know. Now, I was excited, and it's not the first time this has happened, but when Marla was, was baptized, I, man, we spent the night in Danville, and I, I was telling Teresa, at the, at the motel where she, she would get baptized, and I, and I said, imagine a, a campaign across the United States. If you could go from state to state to state baptizing people, you talk about exciting. You talk about enjoyable. Enjoyable. Uh, where people hear the truth and respond to it. Where people want to receive the Spirit of God. Man, that would be powerful. And you know, I, I think of what our Savior said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Did you get that ratio? <laughs> One out of, out of 100. That's the ratio. You've got to reach a lot of people. You've got to communicate to a lot of people to ever even get the results. Uh, I want to look at Ezekiel 2 and verse 5. Just a couple more scriptures here. Ezekiel in verse 5. You know, we are a nation that, I mean, we're a hard-headed, rebellious people. And, and there's a message that has to be gotten out. And they, whether they were here or whether they were forbear, for they are a rebellious house, 
Yea, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them and of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words, nor frightened by their faces, though they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are rebellious. And, you know, it's like get the word out, get the message out, because you're dealing with a rebellious house of people. And Jesus said, you know, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. You know, I don't know. I almost look at this as a witness. A witness. It's, it's, you know, it's not so much a message of, uh, you know, just begging and pleading and, you know, won't you give your heart to the Lord? And we've had a thousand people come down to the altar. It's more like a witness against them. This, you know, speak my word. This is a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they will hear or whether they will not. For they are a rebellious people. And it was one minister that I thought it was a good comment that said one time, that as we near this end time generation, that God is not going to allow people to say to him, but I never heard. And I, I, I think about, why, why, do I, why am I knocking myself out with, with doing, doing what I do? My little part. And it's just a little part. But I think that's part of the reason. God's not going to allow, at, at this end time generation, God's not going to allow people to come up to him and say, you know, I never heard any of this. I never heard how to have holy time with God. I never heard it. I never heard how the holy days are all about Jesus Christ. All I ever heard about was, you know, pie in the sky, heavenly retirement, whatever. I never heard about the kingdom of God, that Christ is going to return to this earth, and he's returning for a reason. Because we've gone mad as a nation. We've gone crazy. That's why he's returning. I never... He's not going to allow people to say that. And so a message has to got to be gotten out. Who are you? Why are you here for such a time as this? Do you realize that you exist for such a time as this? You could have come up in any other generation of people. You could have been born 2,000 years ago time of Christ you could have lived. But, but you exist for such a time as this. Why did God call you? And more importantly, why didn't somebody do something? I want to conclude with Isaiah 43 and verse 10. 43 and verse, Isaiah 43 and verse 10. You are my witnesses, says Jehovah, and my servants, servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be after me. I am Jehovah, and there is none to save beside me. I have declared and have saved, and I have sworn when there was no strange God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, says Jehovah, that I am God. You are God's witnesses.
So, I believe one of the differences in the church of God is this. I think if you're in the church of God, you feel motivated to do something. You are doing something if you're in the church of God. I think that's one of the characteristics of the church of God. It's not just about coming to church, nodding your head and saying, yeah, that's a great, that was a good sermon and going home and then whatever. No, I think you are compelled, if that spirit is in you, to do something. So take courage. Don't despise the small things. Don't underestimate the thing you are doing right now. What you are doing right now is important. God is a multiplier of your efforts. And of course, you know, 1,000 times zero is zero. And, and, and you don't have to do a lot. You do a little bit. God will multiply your efforts again and again. And God expects great things from all of us.